0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Welcome to Big News Sports featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian.
2: High fly ball to deep right. Looking to tag is Burks.
1: Pinckney's throw. Look at this. A strong one. Down. What a gun by Andrew Pinckney. Cassetti is injured and he may be out. Nick Mingione is arguing with home plate umpire Eddie Newsom.
2: What a throw by Pink! What a throw. 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 And that catapulted Alabama onto a 4 nothing win over Kentucky. Lars, you got to jump right to it. You know, I'm a baseball guy. I think one of the greatest plays in all of sports is an outfielder being able to mow a guy down at the plate. But a fly ball that deep with a runner that quick, and it never even touched the grass. It was just a real thing of beauty. And I think now the the Southeastern Conference already knew about Andrew Peakney, but the world of baseball does now. Lars has been covering it. I played a little bit, but that's one of the best throws I have ever seen. And I'm not exaggerating. I,
3: I, it was Bo Jackson esque. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. And, uh, that really is uh, one of the, uh, the the hardest plays to make in baseball. And uh, I, I didn't think he had a shot at getting yeah. him out. You yeah. know?
2: And you, you have to have to also, as beautiful a throw as it was, you got to have a guy on the other end that can put down the tag and risk injury. And Lucette did that. Uh It was just a remarkable baseball play. And I think right now, you can just put that atop of the many plays that Alabama's made this year, but particularly since the the gambling incident or alleged incident with Coach Bo, And from there on, then he went and made a diving catch and fell territory. Then he hit a dinger. Uh, Man, this guy's a player. But uh, I think, as I was just saying in the beginning of my statement here, He represents what Alabama's all about right now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Alabama, uh, they have a veteran roster. And let's just sort of examine the statistics. uh, It's been a little less than three weeks since Brad Bohannon was fired, right, for uh, the uh, gambling scandal. We still don't know exactly what his actions were, but – uh, it was enough to, to get him canned. Right. All right. So, um, so they have won, they played 11 games. They've won nine since that, since Bohannon was fired. So they're now 39 and 17 and they are definitely in the conversation to host an NCAA regional for the first time since 2006. And, you know, it was easy to kind of write the obituary on this team right after Bohannon was let go. But instead, they've gone just the opposite way. I mean, they – right after Bohannon was fired, uh, they uh, played um, Vanderbilt uh, the night of the firing, ended up winning that game. And, uh, the tide since the firing has outscored opponents 74 to 26. Unreal. And they have series wins over Vanderbilt and Texas A&M before, and then they swept Ole Miss to close out the regular season. Um, they've outscored, um, just in, in the last six games alone, they've outscored their opponent 48 to five. Alabama now whoa. leads whoa, the SEC 48 to 5 Good 48 here, to Barbara. 5 48, 48 to 5 and in the in, in terms of uh, of uh, uh, team ERA Alabama now leads the SEC with uh, a 4.62 ERA in league play and hey, they shut out the Wildcats, uh, yesterday. Um, and in league play with, with their final win over Ole Miss, which was a five to one win. Um, Alabama has a plus 48 run differential in league play. And that's even better than, than, uh, co-champion Arkansas. It's the best in the league and Alabama finished. Uh, the regular season 16 and 14 in the SEC, and it's their first uh, league winning record in nine years. And then, you know, th- yesterday, the shutout of Kentucky in a do or die game. Kentucky is the number two team in the country in RPI. And it just, uh, um, you know, right before the gambling scandal, Alabama had lost two to three, two out of three to Kentucky. And um, but wildcat coach uh Nick uh Min- Minjoni, um he he said uh, after the game that he remembers talking to Coach Bo, and Bo said that this Alabama team's the best he's ever had, right? They just needed to put things together. And clearly, um, everything is coming together for this team. It it, 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 they are on the cusp, I think, of authoring something very special and perhaps even historical, Matt.
2: Yeah, and there's just so much fun to to watch. And as as much as you compliment the way they're hitting the baseball. The stats you just rolled up on pitching is amazing too. They shut out an SEC team. Once, what are they ranked uh, eighth, ninth in the in the country? Or now, actually, they were ranked twenty fourth. Alabama twenty fifth, but they're just playing amazing baseball. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a very packed house tonight when they advance and take on the top seeded SEC Gators of Florida. And, and then after that game, they were all rain delayed. Uh, Auburn went on to defeat Missouri, and uh, as pretty as the Alabama game was, this one was pretty ugly. But Auburn went on to win, and they're knocking the cover off the baseball. And they'll play Vanderbilt at eight o'clock tonight. Bama, Florida's four thirty. If I misspoke just a minute ago, but it's uh, the conference is off to one heck of a start. And right now, I think LSU is up on South Carolina eight. 3 in the 7th. So, wait, Matt, uh,
3: is is it like a a law in the state of Alabama that it has to rain on the Tuesday that the SEC Championship is played in Hoover
2: every year? Every single every year? It's like they're they're they're, they're, they're well past midnight. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy, but you know, we get those pop-up showers, uh, sometimes they're not so much pop-up as they are downpours, as we saw midday yesterday at the Hoover Met. But all these tournaments are going to deal with rain. When you have that many games over the course of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to get rain, and there's going to be delays. And it really causes the coaches here to, golly, play a massive game of chess with their pitching staffs and their bullpens. And, um, right now, Alabama seems to be handling that. The other teams will as well. Cause see, uh, like I was watching the end of the game the other night, uh, yesterday, and, you know, here's a, here's a reliever that's out there and he's throwing great. Suddenly, Rain's come in. Now, do you put that ace reliever back in after he's, you know, usually you don't and, and they don't. So it, it creates a lot of baseball management on the part of these coaches and uh, I think that's almost as interesting to watch as what's going on the field but um, we got more today tomorrow Saturday Friday Saturday Sunday it's it's uh, all baseball and you know Lars that's all right with math
3: and uh, yeah let's uh, let's get to break here Matt we got Robbie Glenn former Alabama baseball player who is uh, our baseball expert college baseball expert he's going to be joining us next Matt
2: that sounds great. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. It is brought to you by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Uh, there are a lot of other things to talk about in addition to baseball. Um, uh, information on Tony Mitchell, the Alabama uh, defensive back, the signee that was suspended indefinitely as a result of a drug arrest. Uh, NBA, we'll touch on your Celtics a little bit there, Lars. And... Uh, Man, a couple other things. Joey Gatewood is back in the news. I thought he'd finished his eligibility, but with COVID, you never know. You're listening to Big News Sports.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC.
0: Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
4: This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars The Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and 5 private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination.
6: Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name never answer a text message asking you to verify your account and only respond to official alabama department of labor's social media pages report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud brought to you by the alabama department of labor aba and the station the alabama department of labor is an equal opportunity employer program auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities dial 711 for tty accessibility
3: The best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing, based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
0: Mason. What's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today.
2: Back on the floor. We're joined now by our SEC slash Alabama baseball reporter. That's Robbie Glenn. Been a good friend of this show going back, way back into the Jay Barker days. Uh, and that's how our relationship all, all forged over the years. But um, he knows baseball. He knows Alabama baseball. But uh, there's no other place to start if you're talking college baseball here or in Eugene, Oregon, than what Andrew Pickney did last night in the game, the 4-0 to victory over Kentucky. And uh, I think it's worth noting, and I should have done this at the very top of the show, that he is—he's uh, quite the scholar too. He's already graduated, and he was honored, in fact, before the game last night as a scholar athlete of the year. Uh, all that duly noted. You ever seen a throw like that, man? Matt, uh, Matt, that was one awesome throw and play.
5: And like, and like you pointed out, the catcher to receive it, knowing he's about to get drilled. It, you know they've made the rules a little different from when we played. You know that catcher would have been probably completely knocked out. But what a what a throw! I mean, what a, just a great great start to the tournament by him, by your leader, to get that team going and not only hitting the ball like he is, but then to come up with that throw and not to mention a couple catches. He did a sliding catch over there oh, against yeah. the wall one time. That was a great catch that saved that saved uh, the inning right there. So.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm
5: shocked well, he's uh second team all sec and not first team
1: yeah
3: Ross, robbie can you give us a preview of alabama's game uh later on today with florida uh the, the tournament's top seed
5: well lars uh you know they went to their place to start the sec you know off the year and that what they lost two out of three but really good games they were in all three of them the first game three nothing but they threw uh well, that guy, Brandon Sprout, who can bring 100, 101, 102 miles an hour. And actually, he's from my high school in Pace, Florida. So, um, I'm interested to see if they throw him tonight. Um, I think Bama just is a different team. Um, again, Florida is, too. I mean, they're, they're ranked number two for a reason. But Bama is just coming in hot. And, again, I, I think they're going to be all over his fastball if he's throwing. I think they have more trouble with the guys that are a little crafty. Um they love them fastballs. They, they guys, we got some lineup that can hit, and uh, I think we'll be ready to play. I think the crowds can be packed. Weather's gonna should be good. I'm going. I know that.
2: I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm thinking about having to shift my plans here this afternoon because <laughs> I think that's going to be a heck of a baseball game, <clears throat> Robbie. We've all noted the change in this Alabama team since the firing of Coach Bo. And and we said and Lars used a perfect word, it's galvanized this team. Can you go into more detail about what are, are they act do you think they're actively talking about this? I know they were initially, but is now it's just something you feel with a guy wearing a motorcycle helmet around in the dugout. What are they saying anything together or do you just feel it?
5: I I think they just feel it. I think they have come together as a team. Like I said, they've been playing this way all year. Um, so maybe it brought them a little closer, a little bit more motivation. And I don't think they've talked about it at all, except just trying to win the next game. They're probably talking about it more this week because it's the SEC tournament, probably being asked about it some. Um, now that they're around family, friends, other teams. Um, but I still think they're just, like you said, maybe it helps get them together a little bit. But once they step on that field, They could care less about what's going on outside. They're just there to play ball, and they're there to beat the the teams. And, again, what happened last night, the pitchers. What, they have two walks? You're going to win games when your pitchers do that and your hitters are doing that. Just great, great outing by the, uh, what was his name, Uh, Hunter Furtado to come in and just give him five solid innings. And I think he was hitting 95. I think all three pitchers were hitting 95, 96 last night for Alabama. That's just crazy. That is awesome.
3: Yeah, I thought Furtado was just, uh, really, really solid. Um, Robbie, now that Alabama advances out of the first round, which was a, uh, single elimination, now it's double elimination. Does that change the, the, the philosophy at all of the, of the manager knowing that, um, you know, that again, that it's not, you're not in a do or die situation tonight. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to, you know, uh, all be all hands on deck in terms of your pitchers, but d- does it change how, uh, this game would be managed?
5: I don't know if it changes that much, personally. Um, now, you don't want to get into the loser's bracket, but you're not thinking about that. I mean, you got – he knows his pitching staff. He knows how many arms he has. And, you know, I i think everybody's going to be available. Um, so, yeah, you want to win every game and not get into that loser's bracket cause there's more games. But now you're kind of relaxed. You got through that first game against a solid Kentucky team. But like you said, is is up for trying to host a regional because of their – their strength of schedule and how they're ranked but uh now you just put yourself in the conference into the uh, into being talked about hosting so they'll go out and they're going to try to win every game and i don't know if it's going to switch his philosophy he's going to play one game at a time then you get into the if you get into the losers bracket then you kind of try and get your pitchers to last but right now they're thinking
2: win and stay in the winner's bracket and get to the championship. Can you tell us or take a guess of what Alabama's gonna do on the hill this afternoon?
5: No, I was I was kinda curious uh who he's gonna throw. Uh you look back at who's had success against Florida, you know, again they took they, they t- uh Florida took two out of three from them in the first SEC. Uh Furtado did pitch the game that and pitch good against them, but you know, he's pitched last night. Um I, I don't know who they're gonna come back. I would think your Friday night or your Saturday starter and a regular yep. SEC would be who you're yep. going to. Um, again, because you, I mean, you're, you're ready. You should have your whole pitching staff ready to go. Your last game was Friday, a doubleheader, and so I think all your pitchers are ready. Even the two guys that came in, Cade Woods and Alton, you know, they threw an inning or two innings last night, but they're coming out of the bullpen. They'll be ready to go.
3: Robbie, I know this isn't Alabama's uh home field necessarily, but there's certainly going to be uh a lot of Alabama fans in the stands. They're going to have uh the home field advantage uh in a, in a substantial way. How important is that?
5: I think it I mean, I think it's going to help a lot. They're going to feel feel the crowd behind them. But Florida's going to bring a lot of people too, guys. And you know, this is one thing about Hoover with the SEC, and I keep hearing all this talk about moving it, which is ridiculous to me. I mean, they're selling out crowds, and it's packed, and I haven't heard anything from any other fans. LSU, Arkansas, everyone loves coming here. So I don't know why they would even think about moving it. But Alabama will have a big, big gathering there, I know. And then Auburn coming and playing behind them. So they're, you know, they'll be there too. But Florida's going to have a big fit, but they're going to feed off it. And they're going to like it. And I hope the whole crowd is there and supportive and it's loud. And I, like I said, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be right for them. So I can't
2: wait to see it. Robbie, um, I want to go back a few years uh, to when you were uh, on Alabama's roster. Uh, we don't talk much about your career, but you were a hell of a player. And, in fact, you ended up getting drafted. Didn't you spend some time in uh, maybe like the Yankees organization or something like that? Uh just, I well, know you're, I you're not a guy that's, you're not a guy that's gonna brag on yourself but uh, just kind of drift back in your playing years at Alabama and in baseball.
5: well, yeah Bama had a had a good run it was it was fun We had a good really solid team like I said with Frank Manichno Joe Vidiello, Philip Doyle you know kicked at Bama and um just a great team so I was feeding off all these guys and just doing my job and i had, I had a good senior year finished three fifty uh hitting. Um not like, you know, some of these guys are right now and but uh I was drafted by the Yankees uh but that was at a JUCO and then I bounced in uh started playing for Alexander Aces in Louisiana. Hottest place I've ever played in my life by the way. I oh, bet. <laughs> and oh I mean you step out in your uniform and it would just just soak to you. Like <laughs> I had never been so hot in my life there. That that was the hottest place. But I enjoyed it, man. I was did two and a half years, three years there, bouncing around but had some injuries. So Alabama is always close to me. I, I had a blast playing there and and that's why I love seeing how they are now and getting back and talking with some of my ex ex teammates, Jerry Shelton, you know, guys that I played with, Ben Short. Um I expect they're all I'll be out there tonight. No, Jerry Shelton is actually on the way to uh Colorado, his son is pitching for uh, Shelton State, who they qualified for the World Series for the Juco. So, that's a big for Bobby Sproul. He was our pitching coach at Alabama when I was there, and then Bobby Pierce was our hitting coach with Schallenberger.
3: Well, Robbie, thanks so much. Uh, Any quick update on Stryker?
5: I actually had a really good night last night, guys. It was uh, much needed. Um, He, uh, Slept all through the night. Got up this morning smiling, and so I took care of his meds early, and then I got on to work. And now I'm going by the nursing home to visit my mom because she's not having a good day before I can get back and catch the Bama game.
3: Before we let you go, uh, can you just tell us about the Striker Strong golf tournament that you are are hosting and um, and just, uh, man, how big it's gotten in, what, year three or four? This
5: is the fifth annual Striker Strong yeah. Golf Tournament. It will be Friday, September twenty-second, before Bama plays Ole Miss on Saturday. So we're playing it Friday at Highland Park. We uh, we started this tournament to help raise money for uh, his syndrome, TBRS, is Tatton Brown Rahman Syndrome. And but then since four years ago, when he suffered a brain injury, we have now shifted to help kids with brain injuries like his. Uh, his is a noxic brain injury. Not many are out there that survive and we know strikers probably not going to have many years left and because no one survives an, ox- an oxybrain injury but there is kids out there that need help so we we started this tournament to raise money for other kids with special needs and also still give to his syndrome um and it's taken off 288 golfers sponsors on every hole uh we have uh brit decker with the news coming out um and doing a story when going live from there y'all going live on the radio it's just turned into a great event. We have a lot of athletes, Trent Richardson, Antonio Langham, uh Prince Wembley, Kevin Lee, the next football player, all of them guys come out, and then a bunch of basketball and baseball. I get a bunch of people coming in town that go make it a weekend so they can catch the football game also. So it's a big hey, family. Bobby,
3: share your, your barbershop chair uh, idea. But What? <laughs>
5: oh, that's – you know – People, my wife hates when I call it a party, but it—I it, make my tournament a good time, and so people write it down every year so they can have a good time. There is, you know, Cajun roux out there with uh, stuff, walk-ons, uh, rock and roll sushi with sake and sushi, um, Cajun boys. Um, there's all kind of food uh, brought out, but also Tito's and Redmont Vodka comes out with their tents and gives complimentary drinks. Um, they're going to be out there. So I thought about doing one at uh, the walk on tent where I put a barber chair back what we used to have at Harry's back when I was at Alabama. Yeah. Where you you know, and again, not trying to make it too crazy, but, you know, if you want to pay $20, you sit in a chair, you do a shot, spin five times, and if you can hit a ball off the tee 100 yards straight, we'll have a line mark, then you get an automatic eagle. I don't know. Just, just trying to make it, uh, make it a little crazy, a little fun, but, um. <laughs>
0: It's
3: the greatest well, idea I have heard uh, in a long time.
2: Hey, Robbie, uh, I find it. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, man. It's very easy to believe that that was an idea born at Harry's.
5: <laughs> it, it, it was. We used to do it there at Harry's. We would take some of the freshmen and some of the you know, recruits and take them in there. And uh, he would, we'd spin them in the chair and take a shot. And if they could break uh, uh on the pool table, if they could make a good break without missing the cue ball, then they got <laughs> We, uh, we took care of them the rest of the night, so it was some crazy things we used to do back at Harry's, and,
2: but that was in Boy, the early 90s. Just, <laughs> that just caused for me to get a haircut, even though I don't need one. Hey, Robbie, you're the best. We'll touch base with you later this week. Yeah, thank you, guys, and hey, I hope to see you all tonight. Roll Tide.
3: Thanks, Robbie.
2: Thank you. Hey, coming up next, we're going to visit with a member of the media who I can say, honestly say... Uh, that this isn't uh, a story anybody can tell but him. He once had a bullet fired through his hotel room in New Orleans. Tommy Hicks from Lanyap of Mobile is up next on Big Noon Sport.
1: From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon
0: Sports. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The sky partially sunny this afternoon, the high today 81. Tonight fair with the low at 59. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 84. Friday partly to mostly sunny, just a few isolated showers around the high Friday at 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around
7: As respected industry leaders,
0: we are here
6: working hard for you in an effort to provide you with
0: excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education,
6: and excellence in sports injury prevention.
0: We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory
4: over injury.
3: Three, seven, six.
0: You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel, clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athlete fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Yuri Grayson, and Miz and And if you haven't tried the Miz the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel. Redefined.
2: Hey, back on Big News for the 506 Union Home Mortgage. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter with you, and we are joined now. Tommy Hicks, Sports Writer Hall of Fame inductee in Alabama about five or six years ago. Very worthy. I think when Chris Walsh did his uh, top 50 writers, Tommy was in there as well. A very, very accomplished man at the typewriter. And who knows? Tommy may still use one. Uh, Tommy and I go back 40 years. How you doing, Tommy? Uh,
7: Well, are you, Matt? Everybody good, Lars? Everybody good? Fantastic.
2: Doing great um uh, tommy uh before we get into talking just some general sports here with you um you start i guess about five or six years ago you, you you became a sports editor for uh lanyap which is a newspaper based out of mobile but that's not all you're doing because you're working with the jaguars too
7: yeah working with south alabama i do uh sideline reporting uh, for their radio broadcast of football. I've been doing that since the 15th season, so about eight years now, I guess. Doing it a while. Uh, it's been interesting to watch that program kind of grow, and it's certainly uh, it's in a good shape right now, that's for sure.
3: Tommy, uh, looking back on your career, um, two questions. One why did you decide to get into sports journalism and two is there a favorite story that sticks out to you or an, an impactful story or just you know uh a a piece that you wrote that that just has uh hasn't left you all these years
7: yeah i mean it's kind of interesting i went i went to troy that's where i graduated from and uh when I, when I grew up, I, I was in, I took art classes. I, I was going to be an artist. I went to, to Troy as an art major, and uh, that's what I was going to do. I was going to go into advertising and design uh, different, different billboards and ad places for magazines and such. And I thought that was exactly what I was going to do until I started looking around the class and realizing I wasn't uh, the best guy in the class, I wasn't even close and uh, so i i decided to have a little rethink on the career there because i was thinking you know this isn't even an art school i might have a little competition out there so uh, i, I ripped re- re- off things and it was my dad actually had suggested hey what about uh, what about sports writing because i had I'd written just a couple of little things growing up as a kid in phoenix city for the for the local paper for the weekly paper there and and I said, you know, that that sounds good, and that's kind of how I how I got started. And I started right there at home in Phoenix City at a at the Phoenix Citizen Weekly newspaper, and I went from there to to Selma to the Montgomery Advertiser to Addison Star, and then the uh, then the then here in uh, Mobile at the Press Register, and uh, and later at the the Call News, a weekly in in the northern part of state, and now with Lanyap. I've been in Lanyap for. Uh, a little
3: more than two years now. And, I guess, and, and, and the uh, yeah, in this in and is there a story that uh, that just uh, has uh, stuck with you all these years?
7: I, you know, I don't know if there's really a story. There was a moment though that was it was really cool. I was here in Mobile. I'd been here about a year, <clears throat> and I found out that <clears throat> excuse me, I found out that. The USS Alabama was having their annual reunion of the crew for the Alabama. Well, uh, Bob Feller was a member of the, of the USS Alabama crew, so I was yes. like, "Yeah, man, I got. I'd love to talk to him because I grew up playing baseball and my dad coached for the league, so baseball was was like a big thing." And so I I made some contacts and I was able to. To meet Mr. Feller, and he invited me over to the hotel, which is across the street from from where the uh, the old Press Register building was. So I went over and sat in the lobby, and I was talking with him about his life, and his career, and his time at on the Alabama. and And he kind of stopped short, and he said, "Hey, uh, would you like to go to the battleship?" I uh, mean, heck yeah, let's go! I mean, I, I there was a short time; I hadn't even been there before. And I said, yeah, that's great. So I told him, I'll pull the car around and I'll pick you up and uh, I'll drive us out there because it's only about a couple of miles away from where we were. So I pull up in front of the hotel and he's got these two Walmart bags and he puts them at, at, at his feet in the car. And I'm like, what's she doing with that? What, what's going to be there? So we get there and he says, hey, come on up. And he showed me where the gun that he had worked when he was on the when he was um, on the battleship. Wow. <laughs> And he used to lead uh, calisthenics on the, uh, on the deck and all, and he showed me that. And then he pulls the bags up, and he pulls them out Two baseball. He pulls out a baseball and two gloves, and he said, would you like to play catch? No. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I think I can work that in. So I got <laughs> to play catch. I got to play catch with Bob Feller on the deck of the USS Alabama. That's just not, that wasn't a bad moment.
4: You know, we've been
3: doing this show for about five years, six years, and that may be the single best story anyone has shared. Wow. Uh what what a moment that was. Uh did you end up writing about it or was it just sort of a, a, a personal moment for you?
7: you know, it was a personal moment and, and I wrote about I wrote about him obviously in his time. He was very proud of, of his service on, on the on the Alabama. And uh After we tossed the ball around for a while, we spent a few minutes there and he shook some hands with some, with some guys that he had served with. He said, come on, I want to take you for a tour. And he, he took me all through the Alabama, just said, this is, this is what was here. We did this. This is, here's the mess hall. And there was a sign at one of the posts where all of the, all the bedding was set up for all the, all the sailors at that time. And it it said, this was where Bob Feller slept. And he said, that's not where I slept. <laughs> and he actually ended up moving the sign later because he, he had come there a bunch of times and said, man, that's not where I slept. So they they moved the sign to where, where he said, this is where my bunk was right here. But it was so interesting to get not only the baseball history, uh, you know, they, he used to barnstorm with, with Satchel Page during the off seasons, and he talked about that a little bit. And that was just so cool. To listen to, the, I mean, I could listen to him talk about baseball and coming up and, and his service and all of that. For I, I must have gone on two other trips with him when he when he took different groups around during one of the annual visits that he would make, and just to listen to him talk and listen to him uh, to uh, describe his time. And, and but one of the things he did tell me was when the, the ship would be pulled in for repairs. With with other ships, that the different ships were put together, baseball teams that would play each other. And I always thought, man, what if you were on another ship and you pull up and say, you know, I was pretty good baseball player. I played a little college <laughs> ball. I'm I'm pretty good. And you walk out there and there's Bob Phillips standing on the mound and going, well, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not that good.
2: <laughs> God, you know, there's a reason the good Lord said, man, why don't you get Tommy Hicks on the show? <laughs> because uh, man, you have proven it. I've, you know, I've known you a long time. I've never heard the Bob Feller stuff. That is absolutely fantastic. Um
7: oh, and it this- was so cool. I mean, especially for me growing up in baseball and playing catch with my dad all the time. And I used to throw batting practice for his little league teams when I got older, and and kept the scorebook and all of that stuff. And and for him to say, "Would you like to play play catch?" I was like, "Yep." I don't think anybody's ever told you no to this, have they? Because I'll stay
3: out here as long as you want to. It's almost like a Field of Dreams moment, like a a uh Field of uh, Battleship moment. I don't know. uh, (laughs) What a story.
2: Go ahead. Well, this one will pale in comparison, but I teased it, uh, (laughs) and I usually ask you to retell it. But take just a minute and talk about when we were down uh, covering the Sugar Bowl. And you were riding late night, is all you guys do. And then something happened in your hotel room. Pick it up from there.
7: (laughs) Yeah, it was the uh, '93 Sugar Bowes, Alabama, Miami, and uh, I was up in my room. If everybody remembers the Hyatt, that was it's still there, but kind of like in a different form now, obviously. But uh, since Katrina made her arrival later, but at that time the Hyatt was the hotel, and it was right next to the to the superdome and we would always that would always be the media hotel where everybody would stay so I'm we're there covering the sugar bowl and I'm I'm up in my room which was on the, the 15th floor 16th floor and uh, I was writing my column and I heard something kind of a little pop behind me and I was like what what was that and I looked around I looked behind me and I, I saw like a little thing of a little light hoof of smoke and I was like what, what What the heck is that you know I'm in a non-smoking room I know that's not that's not anything else that it could be so I look and there's a bullet on the floor and there's a little hole in the wall right below you know how the windows cover a lot of your room there that well it hit kind of below that through the through the plaster of the wall and all that and and I'm so I'm like, well, you know, this is not good. So I called the front desk <laughs> and I said, uh, um, yeah, I just had a bullet come into my room. And, and uh, I'll never forget, the lady at the front desk said, oh, no, Mr. Hicks, we, we, there's construction going on in, in the hotel. And I'm sure that that's what it is. I said, look, I, I'm not the brightest human being on the planet, but I know the difference between construction and a bullet. And I got a bullet in my room. And she said, would you like me to send security up? And I went, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Why don't you send them all up there? So they came up, and and they knocked on the door, and it was funny. I looked through the peephole, and there's one sitting on each side of the door. It kind of reminded me of, like, TV cop shows where they thought, oh, we got a freak in this room. What's going to happen here? So I opened <laughs> the door, and I said, "I said, yeah, come on, guys. I'll show you. And I walked them over, and one punched the other. I said, I told you. I told you it was right. And uh, apparently there is a tradition in New Orleans, or used to be, I don't know if it still is, of firing guns into the air, but, but if you're downtown, they like to fire them off the top of the Superdome just to kind of see them spark. And mm-hmm. I'm on the sixth, I was on the 16th floor, and it covered a block. There was a block of hotel-like ballroom area below my room. So this bullet had to travel a pretty good distance to get up 16 floors and through the wall, and it just, like, hit the bed and died. I don't know if it had hit me, if it had done any damage. I know I would have sued, but I don't know if it would have done any damage. Uh, (laughs) But uh, then they asked me if I wanted to move, and I thought, yeah, if you've got a non-shooting area of the hotel, I'd like to be there. (laughs) God, what a story.
3: Uh, Tommy, I, I was going to ask you about South Alabama, but I think we should just end it on that note, man. Yeah, Matt. we
2: should. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about South Alabama in a week or so, Tommy. Louisiana, Mo- it's uh, Mobile, correct, Dot .com?
7: com. Yep, you can pick up all our stuff there. Hope people will stop by and and give us a view.
2: It's been a blast. I'll see you soon, Tommy. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank, Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Well, sometimes, Lars, you just really never know. (laughs) Never Uh, know. That was fabulous. He's a great guy. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Fame guy as well. And we have run up against the absolute break, literally. We've got to get this in before we continue on Big News Sports.
1: Covering SCC sports like could on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9,
0: Tuscaloosa weather. Sky partially sunny this afternoon, the high today 81. Tonight fair with the low at 59. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 84. Friday partly to mostly sunny, just a few isolated showers around. The high Friday at 83. I'm James Bam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: Reagan, owner of r and Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at twenty seven hundred three Sixth Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination.
0: from our home base in Birmingham, Alabama.
5: My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I
8: wasn't moving fast enough.
0: Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA Grant number 18VAVS050, the ABA, and this station.
3: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you.
0: NLMS number 230376. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD Two Northport and W two six five ct Tuscaloosa Tide one hundred point nine and screaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app.
1: Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. You know, it's something to say about the brand, you know, that we have. An iconic brand, Crimson Tide. Roll Tide it rolled tided in Venice, Florence, Rome, and the Amalfi Coast. So, that's everywhere I went. So, it says something about the brand. I don't know what it says about me. I got a few zilts from other SEC players, they didn't post that they part. Got down. I,
2: I asked him about NIL transfer portal, and that that kind of went south from there. But um, just to emphasize the positive here, what Nick and uh, Miss Terry have done for the state of Alabama, Alabama, Tuscaloosa specifically, um, and Birmingham all over the place. Uh, sometimes I think the saving is, uh, is just – You know, being recognized in Italy and the GOAT and all that, I think every once in a while we forget what that family does uh, philanthropically.
3: Yeah, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think it uh, – I've said this uh, many times, that before the uh, tornadoes of April twenty seventh, 2011 – Nick Saban had been kind of viewed as a a mercenary head coach, that he would spend three years at a place, he would build the the program up, and then he would take off uh, for the next challenge. And then once uh, 427 happened and just absolutely decimated Tuscaloosa and other parts of the state, um, it, it it changed Nick Saban in in the in I think in a fundamental way. I mean, it changed all of us in a, in a fundamental way. But, um, you know the the the, the very next morning, right at, at daybreak on April twenty eighth, and and I just I I know this like the back of my hand because I've written about it so many times, both in Sports Illustrated and in a book, um. At daybreak, he went to the facility, uh, and, uh, went to the, the, the football facility and filled up his back, uh, the back of his truck with water and Gatorades that was left, left, left over from the spring game, which had been played, what, just a few days earlier. And, uh, and then he and Thad Turnipseed he, he Who's now at Clemson, but at the time he was kind of Nick Saban's, uh, I, I, he didn't, his title was kind of like jack of all trades. Like he, he did whatever Nick told him to do. And, uh, and, 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 and Thad, I don't know if you know him, Matt. He's an incredibly smart guy. And uh he was Yeah, Dabo stole him from Nick. Yeah, Dabo did. Dabo definitely stole him. Um and and Thad has uh I think played a really big role. Uh he played a big role at Alabama and he's played a really uh even bigger role at Clemson in, in building that program. But anyway, Nick and, and Thad went into the hardest hit areas and um uh i I know at at first they got they got stopped by the national guard um and then thad uh who was driving he uh just he rolled down the window and he just pointed at Sabin, and I don't even think he said anything and then and the national guardsman was like oh okay, go ahead um and then over the course of the next six hours seven hours. Nick Saban, uh, handed out water to, uh, to relief workers who were still, uh, in the, the rescue phase of, uh, of their operation, you know, looking, looking for people who were trapped. And also he just, uh, you know, he listened to people tell their story and tell them about how they had just lost everything. I mean their homes, their cars uh maybe even a, a loved one, and Nick really um just over this a twenty four hour span, he hugged more people than he had in the previous you know of uh, what however however old he was uh you know fifty eight years of his life whatever and and then you know he kept he kept doing that and uh, he kept going out and kept uh, just being a very visible presence in the community. And it's my observation, and I think the observation of the people who know him best that that experience profoundly uh, affected him. And for the first time in his career, he had roots in the community. He was no longer a football coach. He was a community leader. I mean, he was working with Walt Maddox, Mayor Maddox, on on all sorts of logistical things. And it really hit home for him because his daughter was in the same uh, sorority as Ashley Harrison. And Ashley had been dating Carson Tinker... And for those who remember, uh, Ashley and Carson, uh, were huddled, uh, in a closet in Carson's house. Carson was a long snapper, uh, and he went on to have a really nice NFL career. Um, and, uh, the, the tornado just, it just hit, it hit them just, just with, with cruel directness. That tornado just des- it, it, there was nothing left of Carson's house and uh it, tragically ashley lost her life um she was thrown about 300 yards uh from uh, just literally ripped out of carson's arms and thrown and um and and nick was right there with his daughter as they were trying to search for ashley right her she was in a in a, in a field uh, across the street from carson's house which had been filled with trees and, uh, there wasn't a single tree left. Um, but it, it, it took a while to, uh, to, to find Ashley. And I, I just think all of that, um, this is a long winded way to say that, that, that he wanted to, you know, uh, I, I think well, one, it, it, and this is not the most important part of all this one. I think that's the reason he stayed at Alabama. I really do. Uh, uh Over all these years. Uh, I don't for one second believe he was close to going to Texas whenever that was or, you know, has had any serious flirtation with anyone else. There's no way. I mean, he is retiring in Tuscaloosa. I'd imagine he will have a home in Tuscaloosa for the rest of his life. And, um, and, 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 I think it all, it all goes back, uh, to that tragic day, uh, in April 2011. But, you know, right away he and Miss Terry wanted to start giving back. And, and that began with working with, uh, Habitat for Humanity, uh, building houses. Um, and, uh, I remember, Uh, at, uh, SEC media days in 2011, Nick had to cut his time short and he didn't tell anybody this at the time, but he had to cut his time short in Hoover because he had to hustle back to, um, Tuscaloosa to talk to and sort of give a pep talk to some of the people who were, uh, building these homes right these habitat for humanity homes and now you have the the nick's kids foundation and 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 this is something we need to talk about matt in in more uh detail but that is the uh the the sabin center um which uh it's going to be a uh a like I don't. I don't actually know like where. It's
2: like a learning center. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Sorry, but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's a. Uh, it's a. It's a community space, uh, an interactive hub for education, arts, recreation, and discovery, and uh, it, it is like the. It, it's really just uh, uh, amazing uh, what this is going to be once it's completed. And um it's uh, – I think uh, it's – right now, it, I think the completion date is 2026. And I think this Saban Center is going to be – at least locally, it is going to be as much of his legacy as what he did – what he's done – uh, at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And I know this is a very long-winded answer, but to, just your reaction to, to any of this, Matt.
2: Well, I think the Saban Center is exactly what you just said. It is literally something that will live on forever or as long as we manage to keep ourselves on this planet. Okay, I'm not deep diving on that. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I I think it's worth noting and I, I think Miss Terry handles a lot of this stuff, but Nick has involved. He, he gets his hands dirty here, too, uh, just as he did that faithful day back in April, um, which didn't just bring Nick Saban closer to the community. It, it brought all of us uh, close to the community. My kids went over there and gave out water, and we went over there and tried to help best we could. Uh, a day truly that will live in infamy in the state of Alabama. All right. We will continue talking about Alabama football, but not necessarily on this particular topic. When we get back, AL.com's Mike Rodak is going to update us on the latest with Tony Mitchell. And um, he has actually uh, been given his, I guess you call it a sentence. Uh, the decision has been handed down on this drug and all the rest. We'll talk about that with Mike in a moment. Big Noon Sports brought to you by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage.
1: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
0: Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
6: Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA and Equal Opportunity Employer Program. ongoing ability, aids, and services available on request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association.
2: Seth, Aiden, Seth, all contributing to this show and joining us now which we'll do likewise is al.com's mike rodak who recently uh wrote an article about tony mitchell and it gives details of his plead and uh, his sentence uh, i guess
8: if that's what you call it
2: can you just go ahead and take the ball from there please mike
8: yeah, definitely. So this was, as we all know, a, a felony charge in Florida going back to spring break, you know, the, the stop, the traffic stop, and, um, you know, the fairly large amount of marijuana that was found in the car. Him and his friend were both charged, and it, when you watch the um, the body camera footage, you know, it really seemed like the, the police were, I'd say, more sympathetic to Tony Mitchell than they were to his passenger, um, and they even had some conversations among themselves where, you know, they essentially... They, they believed Tony Mitchell that he wasn't in possession of it, that it was more the, the passenger's deal. Um, and so I think that kind of laid the groundwork for this deal that was struck between um, Mitchell's defense attorney and, and the prosecutor down there where, you know, first-time offense in Florida allows him to plead no contest. He's not technically pleading guilty, but he's, um, you know, he's he's allowing this to uh, to reach a resolution by pleading no contest. And he gets sentenced to... Uh, probation and also gets um, uh, like a drug counseling program down there. So that I believe happened about an hour ago um, down in, in uh, you know, Panhandle, Florida today. And so really the next question is how does Nick Saban handle this? So at the very beginning, Nick Saban said, do would have to see how the the legal situation would play out. And I, I believe he was asked about it. I was there yesterday, but at his golf tournament, he was asked about it. He, he said he didn't really have an update yet. And it might be something that, you know, plays out over the summer, there's obviously an internal discipline process at the school and and different programs that they can get into. And, you know, that's one thing in terms of student discipline, but there's also this, the decision that Nick Saban has to make on what does he want to do with this player? And does he deserve a second chance? My, my guess, my educated guess based on history with Nick Saban is he's probably going to give him a second chance to come back. And um, whether that means a suspension or whatever the case may be of actual games, we'll have to see, but um, I think we'll see Tony Mitchell in an Alabama uniform at some point.
3: Uh, Mike, uh, before I, I got two two questions for you. One, um, have, have you been keeping up to date with the Darius Miles situation and the fact that he was denied bond today? To, to, uh,
8: to some extent, I mean, I, I haven't been covering it personally, but I've been reading, you know, certainly what's out there, and um, you know, we have our our news side people are a crime reporter that was there today. And, um, you know, it's again, not something I'm actively covering, but I'm, I'm paying attention
1: to it.
3: Yeah. And, um, I guess there's really not a lot to say about it. Uh, and, and Matt and I can discuss it next, next, uh, next segment, but, um, going back to Nick Saban, I, I, I'm a big believer in second chances and I, I, coach saban is as well um but do you think he goes too far sometimes because he does get criticized by you know various reporters around the country especially those uh and there's a handful that always <laughs> take shots at, at coach Sabin whenever uh whenever they can but do, do you think his second chance policy goes too far sometimes or um, you know, uh, or, or, or are you, or are you okay with it?
8: Yeah, you know, it's a good question. This is probably the first, or maybe the second time I can really think of in my four years that there's been a, a legal situation for him to navigate with the player. The first one, uh, was Quandarius Robinson two years ago when he had his DUI and, um, I think crashed his car in, in Tuscaloosa and he ended up getting, I believe it was a two game suspension and, you know, he's still on the team. He's, Has a chance to contribute outside linebacker now um, as a senior. So, um, you know, I I haven't really been around too many of these situations to really judge them or judge your reaction. I I know there was that transfer from Georgia, was it, five, six, seven years ago? Um, Yeah. You know, there's the issue there. But, you know, there's the famous video that gets circulated on social media with him talking about Musin Muhammad and, um, you know, having issues at Michigan State and, eventually coming back and getting his degree and all that. Obviously there's the more recent example um, of of Jimmy Johns who just got his degree a few weeks ago from Alabama after being kicked off the team by Saban. And that was a situation where, boom, he got arrested and Nick Saban kicked him off the team and that was his second or third year as coach. So maybe he's changed a little bit in the sense that he does give a little bit more leniency, but, um, you know, I, I, I think it's all about attitude and, Uh, How do you approach these things? And if you're, you know, um, if you're apologetic and he he seems like you're in a position to learn from it and, and to improve from it, then he'll probably give you a second chance. But there's other players like Ajay Hall, not that Ajay Hall had legal issues at Alabama, he did at Texas, but just where the attitude's not there and the approach is not there, he just doesn't want to deal with those players. So it may not be as much of a question about the legal situation as it is. Does he feel like you have the right, mindset to uh get better from that and you know it seems like so far tony mitchell has that but obviously you know the judgment aspect can be questioned pretty severely both in terms of being with that friend in that car and and everything that was in that car and also um fleeing from police at 141 miles an hour and as we saw with the henry Rugg situation that that sort of thing can can very quickly turn tragic so um you know tony mitchell's certainly lucky that you know he's He's in the position that he's in, um, that he's not doing any jail time, and he's able to play college football again. Mike Rodak
2: from Mike Rodak uh, from AL.com is joining us here on Big News Sports. I want to pursue the Tony Mitchell thing on some of the things that you just mentioned. Um, His Dodge Charger was going 141 miles per hour. Police pulled him over. He he ran. He fled. Uh, There was 226 grams of marijuana in the car. Uh, My math tells me that's probably about eight, eight, nine ounces, Um, $7,000 in cash and a loaded gun. Um, Probation and counseling on the surface looks to be a mere slap on the wrist. Now, is this a result of Florida law Uh, The the other guy in the car who is apparently maybe the instigator, for lack of a better
8: word, and all this? or a uh, first-time offender, or a combination? Combination of the above. I think the Florida law certainly helps him out um, where they have this program where, you know, first-time offense, and, you know, you're able to, you know, kind of get off. And, um, I mean, not to divert too much. I'm thinking back to when I was covering the bills, and it was Marcel Darius who got arrested for marijuana in Alabama on, on I-20. That was probably seven or eight years ago, and it was a similar sort of situation where, there's like a criminal diversion program. A lot of these States have those where if you're a first time offender, they just don't want to throw you into jail because they feel like that just sets you down a path where, you know, you're going to be in jail or you get out of jail, you're going to have more problems. And I guess the the studies and, and the, um, the experiences has shown to these States that it's better to, um, you know, have some sort of rehabilitation outside of prison, at least the first time and, and see if that can get cleaned up and, um, again, from watching a body camera, I, I do think there was a, you know, and obviously police don't want to profile necessarily, but they're always kind of gauging who might be at fault in a particular situation. You could tell right away from what they were saying that uh, they really felt like it was the passenger who was involved. I mean, to, to quote the, the lieutenant in the case that they were saying the passenger was the thug. That was the word that he used and that the driver, Tony Mitchell, was not. Um, that's that was the conversation that the lieutenant the police lieutenant had with the, the sheriff's deputy. Um and so you could pick up from there that there was a, a certain vibe that they got that they felt like Tony Mitchell was not necessarily the victim, but he was literally just driving this guy um, with all this stuff and maybe not involved in that in that activity himself. So I, I do think there's you know, between the sheriffs and the prosecutor, there's probably a discussion that happens on You know, is this the guy that we want to put behind bars or do we want to go find the other guy? And in this case, I don't think they can find the other guy because he didn't show up to court a couple weeks ago. Um, So there's a warrant out for him because he has a criminal, two criminal charges against him. Um, And I think they, they just made the determination from a character judgment standpoint that Tony Mitchell was less that false.
3: Yeah, everything I've read seems to point that point to him getting probation, uh but we we'll, we'll see mike i'm really interested in how you go about reporting something like
8: this oh yeah in terms of just the process it, or yeah, the approach uh, or? yeah yeah
3: it, it's uh, i am you know just uh you've been kind enough to join my class or and speak to my students several times uh either one on one i think or or uh in a group session but um i'm always just interested in process and uh this this can't be an easy piece or an easy uh easy story to cover uh especially from birmingham
8: true yeah and it does help that you know probably 20 30 years ago a lot of this stuff was tougher to obtain because you might have to literally be in court sitting there and and um reporting from court but um, you know, it does help that a lot of these jurisdictions have court records that are online. In this particular case, they did. Uh, it helped that Florida has, you know, the Sunshine laws in Florida that allow you to get the police report, and that was provided pretty quickly. You know, email, PDF, things that probably didn't exist. You know, again, thirty years ago, um, in Alabama, they they don't get police reports. I mean, that's that's a different it's a different uh, situation there. So. It helps that it was in Florida, and not by much. It was only by, I think, five or ten miles. Um, And, you know, just in terms of, like, the actual case, it's, you know, you're just trying to approach it from a factual standpoint as possible, and, all right, you know, it's it's usually a, it's kind of formulaic in the sense that this initial news comes out, uh, the first call you usually make is get a a police report, and then um, you're looking to the, the court system once that case gets in there, and what other documents can you get from that, Uh, what attorneys can you talk to? Can you talk to the prosecutor? And then you're just kind of monitoring the case. Um, in this case also, there's body cameras, which helped and, uh, you're able to get those videos and, um, just kind of piece everything together. But, um, just take it, you know, as neutrally as possible and just report what you know. And, um, in this case, it's, it's led to, you know, the resolution that, you know, he's, he's getting probation and and drug counseling.
2: Mike, we're going to let you go, but I got one more question about body cam footage. Is that difficult to get access?
8: No, because, I mean, I don't know what the laws are in Alabama. I'm guessing that they are not as um, accessible to us, but Florida is, is, you know, well known for having very open record policies. So any sort of body camera footage, uh, you can make a request, in this case, to the sheriff's department and... um, it's it, I mean some are easier than others I think to obtain. Some really require a FOIA uh notice where you have to mail it in with a check and all that. I think this one was more just an email request. I think I did have to send a check to them for like a, a clerical fee. Um but with I think the more of the issue with that was just the delay. I think they they took a few weeks to do it, but um it was literally just a, a link to a a couple files on on the uh on their website and uh, they have to provide it. I mean, that's the law. So there's there's no – they can't deny it to you.
2: Certainly sounds as though that body camera footage worked in Tony Mitchell's favor. Hey, thanks for your time. And, and as always, we'll be checking back with you. That's Mike Rodak, uh, com. What's your Twitter handle? What's the social media info?
8: Yeah, yeah, at Mike Rodak.
3: Awesome. Pretty stuff. Thank you, Mike.
8: Great info. You got it. Thank, Thank you, you Mike. Um,
2: wow. Um, Lars, quickly, as we roll in the break, will he be in an Alabama uniform practicing in August?
4: Yes,
3: Me that's too. my that's my guess.
2: Um, what do you think? Yeah, I do, too. And, and I, I'll say it again a, a couple times here. Um, the observations by the sheriff's deputies and by the sheriff himself. Uh, with the body cam footage really appears that uh, maybe this sentence was just. It sounds light on the surface, but now after talking to Mike Rodak, I don't think so as much. Um, Anyway, which by the way, going 141 miles an hour anywhere except Talladega is just, uh, that's not smart, but I think Mitchell has probably learned a very valuable lesson. Uh, When we get back, I got to get into Joey Gatewood. I didn't even know he was still playing football. But the former Album quarterback is uh, now with an ACC team. He's got eligibility left. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break, Big News Sports.
1: This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It's
0: 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The sky partially sunny this afternoon. The high today 81. Tonight fair with the low at 59. Tomorrow is sunny day. The high 84. Friday partly to mostly sunny. Just a few isolated showers around. The high Friday at 83. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imagined and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, An Equal Opportunity Employer Program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association.
2: This one kind of popped off the page, if you will, when I was doing show prep this morning. Joey Gatewood, first of all, was surprised he still had eligibility. But with the COVID and all, he has a sixth year of eligibility. And the news is that through the transfer portal, he is now going to play at Louisville, but he will play tight end. Um. When does this? You can only transfer one more time. Take place. Is is it? This is would be his last time. No more. Or, I'm a little confused because as I continue to see players that are transferring for the second and third time. I, I guess this rule takes place at a certain point and then moves forward.
3: You know, I, I wish I could answer that. Uh, I just don't, I don't know. Um, and it, it's confusing to me and I, and I, and we, it's confusing to both of us and we cover college football for a yeah. living. So. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, y- you remember Joey, uh, gosh, years ago, um, you know, he was considered to be the, the next Cam Newton, you know, and the, the face of Kentucky football um you know uh well first auburn and then kentucky um he committed to kentucky in 2019 and then was ruled eligible for the 2020 season man it's just hard to figure out his career uh and i i just uh yeah, I, he he has one year of eligibility left. Let's just leave it at that. And he's changing positions. Uh this time he's going to play a tight end and he's a great athlete, you know. It's he's 6'5, 233. Uh he's got the build and the athleticism um to uh you know, if he fills out, right? He's going to have to put on some weight if he wants to play in the NFL, but He's never caught a pass at the college level. Um, uh, and, and it seems a little strange that, that, you know, Louisville is, is giving him a scholarship, but, um, you know, good, good for Joey. His college career didn't go the way he, uh, uh, the way he hoped. Um, but, uh, maybe it will end up. Having a happy ending. I, I, I don't know, Matt. Um, it's tough. <laughs> I just
2: remember, do um, you remember when Auburn just train wrecked uh, Purdue like 63 to 14? Um, now, a lot of players got time, but I remember he got a few snaps at quarterback. Uh, didn't complete a pass, but I remember him being very athletic and uh, had a couple of good runs. Mopping up in that game against Purdue so it just uh, it continues to kind of dumbfound me on how many times these people can transfer but I think what I said initially is that I think everybody kind of has one more shot from here but after that I think that rule is going to be in place full-time uh, with the exception of graduate transfers. So,
3: and, and Matt, I did I did want to mention this. I want to mention this earlier in the show, but we've been sort of off and running on so many different topics. But there is there, there appears to be a, uh, a a smidgen of movement in uh, the U.S. House of Representatives uh, on the issue of name, image, and likeness. And um, it is, uh, it, it's a. This is a, a, according to a letter from a, a, a congressman in Texas, and this letter has been circulated among college sports officials and other members of Congress. And um, the, the the actual draft of the letter Uh, the formal draft is going to come from a representative uh, out of florida who chairs the house energy and commerce subcommittee on innovation data and commerce okay anyway so but the panel right held a hearing on nil in march so this is going to be where the bill is going to start and it's the first nil bill uh, that's going to be introduced since Republicans uh, gained the control of the House in 2022. So the bill is going to have to come from a uh, Republican. Right. And so the the, the letter, uh, which went out on on Friday, um, it, it, it is uh, it, it's it, 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 here's a synopsis of what the bill potentially is going to include. This is the important stuff. All right. Number one. Safeguards from, quote, from retaliation by an institution of higher education for student athletes who have signed an NIL deal. Uh, the creation of a regulatory body tasked with establishing and enforcing rules pertaining to collectives, boosters, and student athlete endorsement contracts. That's what we need. This re- uh, <laughs> this regulatory body do and and so every we need a level playing field here. Um, cl- uh, and 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 there's going to be a provision that is going to quote clarify that student athletes are not eligible for employee status. That is a whole nother issue, Matt, that you and I have have touched on uh, because once if. If you make a a, a a student athlete, let's say a football player, an employee of the school, then the school can just pay that player whatever they want, right? And so that would be a way around NIL. So there, but this is this would codify into law that student athletes are not eligible for that employee status. And I hope I'm getting all this right. I'm no lawyer. Uh I, my dad was, but uh I was smart enough not to go to law school. Um, <laughs> and uh but the, the the major the major point is uh is is that is that that there would be at least to me in my reading of this is that there would be this regulatory body that would enforce rules that everyone would have to play by when it comes to collectives, when it comes to the actions of boosters, and when it comes to student athlete endorsement contracts. And then it goes on to say, student athletes who enter into a contract will be required to report their agreement to this new body and their university within a specified period of time. Now, this makes a lot of sense to me, Matt. On on, on uh, at, at first blush, like if we can just get that, I think this would be a huge step forward. Your thoughts?
2: Um, yeah, it's a step in the right direction, but just forming a body doesn't. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, once they form a body, the body has to get there. You know what? Together. <laughs> and immediately start putting rules into place, and I just I don't see anything here that's going to help UAB or South Alabama. Um, I know well, that's a little bit yeah. more detailed, but I'm really really concerned about these programs. The deeper we get, the faster they put this body together. Then maybe we can come close to kind of saving those really good football programs that deserve to play again. But there's nobody in the world to argue with me. UAB can't pay what USC's paying.
3: Well, so. I mean, this 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 letter is the equivalent of taking the first stroke and yeah. trying to cross the Pacific Ocean. I mean, it's they have so far to go. Oh, it's not even
2: and part of it, Lars, is what if you've already got your own deal? Um, they can't retro that thing, can
3: they? Yeah, you'd be grandfathered in. But yeah, again, I would think this, so. this isn't going to this is not going to happen anytime soon. But at least there is a little bit of movement.
2: Well, a you bit. and I have agreed on this since the get go that really the only way you can legislate this is through. The representatives, the legislature, and and to yeah. the Senate. That's it.
3: It's, it's um, gonna take it's gonna take federal legislation, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It can't it can't be state by state because all the it, it wouldn't be a level playing field. So it has to come from Congress.
2: Uh and right now it is state by state. Yeah. And uh California's winning. USC is. I bet USC makes the playoffs. Um, hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. When we get back, we'll put a bow on this Wednesday edition.
1: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sky
0: partially sunny this afternoon, the high today 81. Tonight fair with a low at 59. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 84. Friday partly to mostly sunny, just a few isolated showers around. The high Friday at 83. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here
0: treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As
7: respected industry leaders,
0: we are here
6: working hard for you in an effort to provide you with
5: excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education,
6: and excellence in sports injury prevention.
0: We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
3: 204- 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
2: You're listening to big news sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Seth and Aiden as well. Um, final from this morning slash early afternoon from Hoover, the SEC baseball tournament, LSU pounded, uh, South Carolina by a score of 10, three. It is double elimination play now. So South Carolina will advance to play a team to be determined, uh, tomorrow morning at ten thirty. Texas A&M and Arkansas are in the bottom of the first no score. Um, I'll bet people are scrambling to try and get night session tickets because Alabama, Florida at 430 and then 30 minutes after that, Auburn will be playing Vanderbilt. And, uh, man, you got to love the way this Auburn team is playing. Um, yeah. You like you, yeah, you? you know, you you've you been talking
3: them up. And so and, you know, your baseball, what what are you seeing out of Auburn that has you uh excited about what this team can do?
2: Well, their pitching has been good, but not great. Um, their defense is really good, and I think they're really time they're timely hitting. Uh, and last night they had uh, several of those. Uh, Missouri played wacky. Uh, they managed to take a one another lead without getting a base hit, and at one point they had four runs with only two hits. So it was a crazy game. But it's also much like we've been talking about Alabama when it comes to Auburn baseball. Auburn finished strong. They finished so strong that they won one more game than Alabama. And that was the difference between the Tigers having a five seed and Alabama getting a nine. And uh, that's pretty big time because now Auburn advances to play fourth-seeded Vanderbilt while Alabama has to go up against the top-seeded Florida Gators. So
3: speaking of that, uh, what's your gut tell you? How is this game between Alabama and the Florida Gators going to play out uh, tonight?
2: Well, I can't bet on it. Is it too early? Is that not funny? (laughs)
3: What what do you mean, is it too early?
2: Uh, Following the – coach Bo you can't bet on Alabama baseball
3: oh oh sorry Uh, I I I was thinking that it's uh that you were going down the vein of it's uh it's happy hour somewhere
2: but okay (laughs) hey that's true whether or not we're having this conversation or many others I just it's hard to baseball is a game of to explain it as simply as I can uh when your arm feels like a rocket or it feels like a noodle Alabama's pitching, they feel like they got rockets. Uh, they got cannons on their shoulders. And right now, pitches are coming there, they look like beach balls. And for those very reasons, it's a very good sport for momentum. And I think Alabama has more momentum than Tennessee or Auburn, although they're playing great. Um, Although Tennessee was uh, eliminated by Texas A&M, pardon that faux pas. But I think you got to go, you know, it's just like when you're playing poker. Lars, you go, that's really probably a bad comparison. But you go with a hot hand, and Alabama's the hot hand.
3: Yeah, I I think uh, I I, I, I like, you know, I'm not the baseball expert that you are, but uh, it does feel like Alabama is uh, on a roll. And on um, on the cusp of doing something special, we went over the numbers earlier. Ever since Coach Bo was fired, uh, no team in the country has been as dominant as Alabama. No one, not, and it's not even close.
2: What did you uh, tell me again? Here's the one that really uh, popped out at me: is over the last five games, Alabama has outscored their opponents forty-three to five.
3: I I I, I, I lost that I lost close, that buddy. stat. I think it was maybe fifty-one to seven, but okay. um, yeah, it, it, it's really uh, incredible. Um, yeah, what the, what they've done. Um, and and uh, I'm I'm looking for it and I, I can't find it. Uh, but you know, they Alabama, as as Robbie Glenn said earlier in the show. This is a well-rounded team. I mean, the, the bats are coming alive. Uh, they have the pitching. They just, uh, shut out a really good Kentucky team. And, uh, kind of the defense obviously is, is, uh, is, is coming alive and they're just feeling it. And it, it's, it's like in the, it's the equivalent of, uh, you know, when you're playing basketball and, the, the, it feels to you like the rim is, uh, is, uh, you know, eight, oh. eight feet wide. Yeah. I mean, you just, you can't miss. And, uh, I think that's kind of where Alabama is right now. And the, the key is how do you sustain it? <laughs> how do you sustain it? Uh, I think you sustain it by not talking about it.
2: You don't talk about it much in the dugout, particularly with your pitchers when they're having brilliant games. But, uh, you're right. They got the hot hand. 430 this afternoon, they'll take on Florida. They beat Florida. I think they'd host a regional. Uh, few people think based on their win yesterday, they're going to host a regional. They beat yeah, Florida I, or even their Double elimination. I think they'll, uh, they'll end up hosting a regional. And that's cool because the women are hosting a regional this weekend. All right. Uh Good show. Thanks for our many guests. Seth, uh, you did a magnificent job today. And thanks to Aiden and to you, Lars. And uh, we'll do it again in 22 hours.